All right. Hi, I'm Brian Levy. I'm a partner at Manchester Living and the host of the Manchester Living podcast. The purpose of the podcast is to help people navigate the complex maze of elder care. There is a lexicon of elder care terms on our website at manchesterlivingpodcast.com. Today's episode is on behaviors, uh, but first I want to take you to the new and noteworthy. Communicating with someone with brain change can be emotional, tricky, and exhausting. This clip depicts a real-life situation uh, role-playing with Tipa Snow with a positive outcome that show, that I showed on a prior episode that I would encourage you to see as well. Um, let's go ahead and roll the clip. It's too cold out here. I'm Come fine. Back no, I'm not. I'm just just gonna you are phone. not the boss of me. Yeah, just quit bossing me around. I don't want around. you to get sick. I'm fine. You need I'll a coat. I'm going to put it on. I'm not putting it on. Yeah. You are, you're crap. No, um, no. That, I'm not wearing that. No, don't you, you start this. You don't do it. Mom, I just, I don't want you to get sick. Shut up. Mom, what? It's cold out here. I'm fine. You're not feeling chilly? No, I'm fine. Wow, all right. Uh, one second, look. Where? Look, this one's, yep. Can you get that? Put yours on. All right, you're cold. All right, here you go. I've got it. Just leave it alone. I think you're the boss of everything. Super bossy, huh? Yeah. That's how it's done. So I am real excited about this episode. Matt Greider with uh, Senior Living Specialist is here. Matt, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> uh, so I'm Matthew. Uh, I work with Senior Living Specialists here in the DFW uh, Metroplex. Uh, and essentially, we help families find the best senior living options uh, for their needs um, in any level from, Great. from independent living to assisted living, care homes, memory care, uh, anything they need. Wonderful. Dr. Gentry, who are you and what do you do? I'm Maudia Gentry. I train community health workers for the state of Texas. Uh, community health workers are considered par professionals. We've seen a lot of opportunities for them right now. Community health workers are navigators for communities, for services. You're seeing a lot of them work in the physician's offices. They help patients across the board find services. Wonderful. Welcome. Thank you both for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, let's tackle this difficult subject of behaviors in our elder community. Behaviors include paranoia, delusions, depressions, hallucinations, suspicion, impulsiveness, recklessness, hoarding, agitation, aggression, cursing, yelling, spitting, anxiety, and overall non-compliance. I know that sounds like a list from when we were kids, but it's now happening happening in our elder populations. So um, some of the causes could include pain, most uh, significant in people with living with brain change, a UTI or, an, uh, or other infections, dehydration, um, diagnosed brain change, vision or hearing issues, um, and medication side effects. Are there interventions that are available and effective, such as medications or restraints to help when behaviors are occurring? Matt, you wanna go first? Um, yeah, so, I mean, <sighs> Environment can make a big difference. Being around the people that they love and trust uh, can be key, uh, whether it's family or, or caregivers that they've developed a bond with. Um, medication management is, is certainly a big part of, of dementia care. Um, and uh, really just the redirection techniques and kind of learning the language, yeah. uh, like we just uh, mentioned, is is really key. So just trying to educate yourself on on ways that, that you can redirect a 
uh, a person that's living with brain change. Great, Dr. Gentry. Well, one of the things you want to do, I think a lot of it lies with the, the family, beginning to really help them understand what's happening, um, how it's happening. Look, start to teach them different interventions so they are not so confrontational and begin to work with them and then begin to ask them, you know, what are they already doing? Work with their physician uh, and even sometimes bring in another trusted person that that individual trust to kind of take the edge off of all of that. And the key is to really learn the language. language. In the previous episode with Tipa, we talked about communicating with people with brain change. Yes. And it is a language. Yes. It's like learning algebra or Spanish or French mm -hmm. or dementia or brain change speak. That's true. Yeah. That's very true. Um, let's talk about a situation. What do you do when an elder lies to their doctor and they won't let family or caregivers go with them to the doctor? So the doctor really doesn't have um, uh, the full scope of what's happening. You, one of the things that you want to do is really help that individual see that this we're working as a team here. This is a team effort. So mom and dad, you don't have to, you know, not tell me when your appointment is, but just really reach out to them and just kind of back off and just kind of gradually talk about that conversation and just ask them, do you mind if I go with you? I'll just quietly listen. And then that starts to, you can start to have a relationship with that position and help mom and dad to feel more comfortable that they're not being judged or you're not being, they don't feel like you're spying on them. Right. Um, are there cases where it would be appropriate to ask your loved one for permission to talk to the doctor and give the yes. doctor permission just so we can all be on the same page. And yes. now you have a dialogue direct without your loved one present. Yes, yes, always do that. Uh, a lot of times the uh, individuals feel that you're treating them as children or you, you, they still see themselves as mom and dad and you are gonna always be their child. Right. So it, when you come into their territory and that's their territory, mm -hmm. then that's gonna be a challenge and you want less challenges as possible. Matt, you wanna add to that? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly some times where, um, you know, I've had families in the past that I've worked with where um, I've told them, reach out to the doctor and understand they may not be able to tell you specific information uh, with HIPAA. But, you know, if you've certainly got medical power of attorney, um, but reaching out to the doctor separately and saying, you know, hey, I'm, you know, my mom or my dad's power of attorney and uh, there's some brain changes going on and, and I want to give you what I know uh, of so things that may be going on. That's interesting. I never thought of that. If you're a medical power of attorney, do you need your loved one's permission to be in touch with the doctor? Well, it's a legal question, but uh, you know, there's, um, you know, power of attorney really takes place as my understanding when that person becomes incapacitated. So again, the doctor may not be able to say, you know, here's, mom's diagnosis. Here's the, the, you know, medical information on mom, mm -hmm. uh, because mom hasn't given me permission to right. share these things with you. But I think you're always good to share the knowledge that you have with the medical provider, uh, just so they kind of get maybe a, a bigger picture of what could be going on. Full scope. Um, all right. Behaviors really include, um, I know in, in our world at the assisted <laughs> living care home, um, showers, showers yeah. are an issue. Um, as our director of nursing, Sandy, always says, people in that generation aren't accustomed to showering. Mm -hmm. That generation, they went to the beauty parlor to get their hair set. And so the, the feeling of water flowing over their head is foreign and not comfortable, and they're old and cold. Yep. So That's true. what do you do to, uh, to coax them in, into showering? 
And um, what tools and tactics have you used in the past that have been helpful? Uh, first and foremost, don't ask them if they're ready to take a shower because the answer is no Great. most of the time. So choices. staying away from a yes or no question uh -huh. uh, is good. The answer is almost always no. Uh, no requires no afterthought. Mm -hmm. So that's an easy answer for, for people that uh, can't put everything together. But, uh, you know, tactics I've used in the past, um, you know, asking a, a resident, to, is this water too hot or too cold? Uh, and getting them into the into the bathroom and into that environment um, without forcing the shower necessarily. But um, another one, after our shower, do you want to wear this outfit or this outfit? Uh, and you kind of bypass the, the the question of showering. And now right. it's like, I want to wear that outfit today. Now okay, they're good. focused on the, the and, pink and shirt. They're making and the, the choice. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So they're still in control of making the choice. Uh, so giving two positive choices, it doesn't matter which one they pick. So we've, we've, uh, we put, um, salons in all of our care homes, so yeah. they're not showering to wash their hair. They're in a chair like they are at the salon, mm -hmm. but they still need to bathe. Yeah. Um, you know, cleanliness is important, which really just the continuation of the question is ADLs in general, mm -hmm. you know, to coax someone into doing whatever the task is. You want to further, uh, elaborate on just all ADLs. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's all in the approach. Uh, so you, you can't expect someone to jump up and immediately start doing an ADL. Um, you got to talk to them. Um, sometimes even just a, a regular conversation while you're kind of going through the motions uh, can help. Um, so it's it's more in the approach and the time and, and then finding out what works. Um, routine is so important for people uh, living with dementia. Um, the more routine uh, their days are, uh, the more kind of an autopilot uh, that they're living. Mm -hmm. So they're not having to use the the frontal lobe of, of the brain to make decisions and yeah. process information. So uh, it's kind of like we all do. We all live uh, a lot of our, our lives in autopilot, right. uh, you know, driving to the office. You don't really think about it. Uh, going to the kitchen to grab a drink, you're not thinking about it. Uh, it's just autonomous. Right. So the more routine you can be with someone, it's going to help as well. And tools and tactics like for medications. You know, we use a lot of pudding and ice cream. Mm -hmm. Well, elders like pudding and ice cream, so those things work. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so they get in the routine of enjoying a spoonful of chocolate pudding in the morning, not knowing that's their morning meds. Mm -hmm. You want to add to that? Yeah, I want to add uh, just a little bit on to what Matthew was saying. Also, talk to the family about what their ADLs were previous. Because you've got individuals that maybe took a bath twice a week. Mm -hmm. Okay. And now they're in an environment that is suspected that they might need to take a bath three times a week or four times a week. And you talk to the family and the family said, Oh, no, dad never liked to take baths. He only took a bath once a week. So you need to know a That's little why. history That's about crazy. their ADLs if you can get that from the family because they have a wealth of knowledge. Sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Well, in their timeline, um, a lot of the places out there uh, or people will give showers in the morning. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people, and I, I find especially men, they, they shower at night when they get home from work. Because they've had a you know a long day working and to come home and yeah. so they don't like a shower in the morning. Um, I, I'm honestly I'm kind of a, more of a nighttime shower person uh -huh. before I go to bed. So you know I can imagine myself in the future being in a place if you threw me in a shower at seven o'clock in the morning, it'd be a shock to you. I, I don't. Yeah, that's not me. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, just uh, their routine that they had before. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah, we're all yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. No doubt. Um, positioning and, and, and engaging can be triggers. Uh, Dr. Gentry, will you discuss the importance of walking side by side in your physical approach to somebody with brain change and how important that is? as they react. That's very true. You, you've got to begin to think, how do I approach this individual? And I know that's hard for families many times because we're still dealing with a parent-daughter, parent-son relationship. But one of the things you want to do is always look in their face and you want to begin to walk beside them. It's very comforting. When you come around and you approach them, that's not always the case. It might startle them. So you want to make sure that you're always either looking in their face or you're speaking to them or walking on the side of them and maybe just giving them comfort. Mom, dad, it's going to be all right. I'm here for you. I'm here to help you keep saying those things because a lot of times a lot of changes are going on in the brain at that point. Sure. Mm-hmm. We talk about communications key in everything, oh, right? Definitely. Well, communicating with somebody with brain change is important. It's, I always think of like when I'm at the dentist, I want the dentist to tell me before that needle goes in my gum. Thank you. You want, you want to tell whoever you're working with, what you're getting ready to do or what they're getting ready to do. Hey, we're going to transfer you from the wheelchair to this nice, comfortable chair. Mm -hmm. We're going to work together on this rather than grabbing the gate belt and just tossing them in the chair. That's not what you do, right? You you can't, let me say, you you shouldn't do that. Thank you. You want the relationship. You want to be in a build relationship. How do you build a relationship? But like you said, telling them, asking them, bringing them into the conversation, not you just coming in and said, okay, we're about to move you from the bed to the, to the chair. And that's it. No, that individual feels like, okay, you're treating me as a child again. Please come to me, tell me. And if if you notice when you talk to patients and you say, we're going to move you, a lot of times they will try their best to help you move them. But once again, it's all about communication. That's great. Matt, you want to add to that? Absolutely. Um, asking them to help you is a big one. Uh, pe- people are typically ingrained to want to help, um, especially guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys are, are they're kind of that Prideful. way. So, yeah. Um, I used to train with caregivers uh, that you, know, you might have a 200 pound, 250 pound guy, you know, big guy, but you get a, a, you know, a female caregiver. And the best thing to do is, you know, hey, Mr. Smith, can you come help me with this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to help. Uh, so it's sometimes just, uh, you know, getting them to, to, to follow, but, uh, Matt, sometimes getting, um, getting our elder community to eat and drink is difficult, but it's so important. Nutrition and hydration are vital. What are some tools and tactics you've used, um, in those situations? Absolutely. So, uh, I think one of the big things, um, that I see is, you know, giving someone a meal, but then they're sitting there by themselves to eat. And that's not, that's not normal for, for most people. So sit and eat with them. Uh, even if they don't start eating first, sit down and, and you eat. And it, it may take a minute, but usually they'll start, you know, and you're having a conversation, uh, you know, so they may not be thinking about it. They're engaged in a conversation, but now they see you eating and they, they start eating or drinking. Um, you can't just give someone water and say, you got to drink this. Um, you know, so uh, doing those things with them, I think helps a lot. So you talk about mirroring their behavior. Correct. Almost being empathetic. Correct. And saying, well, Absolutely. I have felt that way before. Mm-hmm. I'm not real hungry, but I know I need to eat. I know I need to drink. Absolutely. Yeah. Dr. Mm-hmm. Gentry, any any advice you want to add to that? I think that also goes a little deeper to interpersonal skills. Uh-huh. You've got to pull out those interpersonal skills that you have in order to work with these individuals. And that might mean, like you said, sitting down with them or, or maybe watching your body language. 
People pick up on your body language. If you are welcoming and, and you, your eyes say, I want to help, then guess what? I might just sit there and eat with you. But if you're not, we might have a problem. So a lot of your interpersonal skills need to come out as you are being a caregiver and learning to be a caregiver. Right. Learning. Always learning. Yes. And learning it starts with a smile. Mm -hmm. It does. Yeah, that's welcoming. Mm -hmm. So that's great. <laughs> a lot of information to unpack here, guys. Um, final question, Matt, what haven't I asked you that I should? Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, maybe... Maybe some more tips of the of the trade I've picked up over the years uh, with some difficult behaviors. Um, I know we discussed, you know, yelling or screaming or getting loud uh, yeah. when they're agitated. Um, one of the things I picked up uh, over the years was uh, uh, telling them, hey, the, the baby's asleep in the room uh, next to us. We got to be quiet. They might still be mad. They might still be cussing at you, but, but, they don't but at least the they bring it down. But nobody wants to wake the baby, right. uh, you know, or... Um, you know, if someone grabs you uh, and won't let go, that's a that's a pretty common one. Um, you know, from an aggressive standpoint, uh, tell them you got to go to the restroom. <laughs> Surprisingly, oh. that's a really quick. Oh, okay, makes sense. Right. Um, so just uh, and there's you just got to figure out what works for that person, and then stay consistent as a caregiver. And you got to keep your cool. That's the big one. You can't lose. Um, you know, your your anger or getting frustrated with them because uh, it's not going to work. It's not going to help. We've talked about the consistency and the importance of communicating properly with somebody with brain change. I've heard families say, well, I've tried to discipline mom, but she doesn't listen. How, how do you react to that? And how can you redirect the family member or the caregiver to better understand you're not going to reason with a two-year-old toddler. You're sure not going to reason with somebody with brain change. Yeah, absolutely. That's difficult uh, for families, certainly. Um, I, I usually with talking to families will um, you know, say, you know, not to relate your mom to a child because uh, she's certainly not a child. But um, you, know, you got to remember that the, the deterioration of the frontal lobe of the brain uh, that handles processing information, making decisions and, and especially emotional responses. Um, you're not going to, to, to discipline them and, and retrain them. Right. Um, yeah, they're, they're losing those abilities. So it's, it's not the same as a child that you're, you're learning and, and you're growing, yeah. um, but it's, they're deteriorating. There's a phrase I've used on this podcast many times, meet them where they are. Exactly. Meet them where they are, understand where they are and, and go there rather than try to bring them to you. Dr. Gentry, what haven't I asked you that I should? A lot of caregivers don't know about respite care. So a lot of times they are at their wits end. I think we really need to get more information out to caregivers about different programs that are out there that will alleviate some of the stress of being a caregiver 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. So I talk a lot of times to families that don't even understand that whole concept about respite and how important it is along with self-care. We all need a break. Mm -hmm. Great. Right, so. Thank you guys for sharing your expertise and knowledge in behaviors. Um, I know this information will be helpful to families. Let's move on to the nugget portion of this episode. I, th I saw this on the internet the other day and I thought that would be appropriate. Sometimes people just say no. They don't wanna participate in the activity. So everybody drew a flower, but not this gentleman. He was out, he said no. Thought that was, thought that was fun. All right, let's move on to the lightning round of this episode. Quick questions are going to go from Matt to Dr. Gentry and back and forth. Matt, where were you born and raised? Uh, born in Dallas, raised mostly in Coppell. All right, Dr. Gentry. 
Born in Fort Worth, Texas, raised in Stop Six, Texas. All right. Uh, years in elder care industry. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so 15 uh, with dementia care management and uh, four or five now with senior living specialists. Great. Dr. Mm -hmm. Gentry. Mm -hmm. Oh, goodness. Several years, let me say this, several years with working with MHMR, Parkland, uh, the homeless unit, uh, working back and forth with um, MHMR again, APS. So many, many years. Let me just say that. Great. Matt, do you play an instrument? Uh, guitar, actually. Dr. Gentry? No, no, I don't. Matt, do you stay in touch with childhood friends? Yes. Dr. Gentry? Yes. Spicy food or plain Jane? Uh, spicy. Spicy. Okay. Call or text? Uh, it depends. Call, probably. Dr. Gentry. I do both. Ever broken a bone? Uh, luckily, no. Ever broken a bone? No. Me neither. No. Favorite ice cream flavor? Uh, cookies and cream. Mint chocolate chip. Okay. Can you change a tire? Absolutely. Can you change a tire? No. No. Uh, iPhone or Android? iPhone. iPhone or Android? iPhone. a girl. Favorite movie genre? Uh, probably comedy. Comedy. Romantic. Uh, karaoke, yes or no? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Favorite band? Oh, my gosh. Too many. Uh, we'll just say country, mostly. All right. Favorite band? Gap Band. Gap Band. All right. Last question. Most gratifying part of your career? Um, helping families. Um, and in, in, in my years of helping uh, residents, um, that's, that's definitely. I love that. Dr. Gentry? Working in the community, helping families, individuals, connected services, more of a navigator. I love it. Thank you both for being here. This has been very, very informative. You can find this episode of the Manchester Living Podcast and past episodes on manchesterlivingpodcast.com, YouTube, Facebook, or wherever, wherever you get your social media. If there's ever anything I can do for you, don't hesitate to reach out directly. I'm going to have your URLs put up on um, on the screen while we roll into credits. Um, but I want to thank you both again for being oh, here. Thank Likewise. You. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Mm -hmm.